0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss That's plushcare.com slash weight loss no
1: no no This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast My name is Marvin Harrison Today, uh, our, our short story today is, is, a, is a difficult one a black man has died after being tasered multiple times by police and falling into the River Thames having now discovered that he wasn't armed and he wasn't dangerous contrary to initial reports the independent police watchdog has confirmed let me say that one more time a black man has died after being tasered multiple times by the police and falling into the River Thames and he wasn't armed and he wasn't dangerous contrary to the initial reports the police watchdog has confirmed. Now, as a black man that has engaged in the police since I was probably about 13 years old, I immediately have some red flags. And this is what processing, this is what you start to understand. You start picking up on nuances. And throughout. Let me tell you more about the story first. So two metropolitan police officers were trying to detain Ola Deji Odeyemi 41. So he's a grown man, not boy, he's a grown man. Following reports that he was brandishing a screwdriver on Chelsea Bridge, an independent officer for police conduct, the ILPC, investigated into his death, uncovered that the Londoner was holding a plastic and metal firelighter when he was approached by two officers on Chelsea Bridge and not a screwdriver. A video widely distributed online uh, show the man being tasered three times and fleeing from other officers towards the river where his body was later recovered. The ILPC regional director says, so a sound the scene. Our thoughts remain with Mr. Amashori's family and all of those affected by his deaths. We continue to liaise with the family and to keep updated on the progress of our independent investigation. Our investigators continue to gather and analyse key evidence, including footage recorded at the scene and initial accounts from officers and members of the public. We would urge anyone who may have witnessed or recorded any part of so the incident either on the bridge or after Mishori entered the river to get in touch with us without delay. It is important we understand all the circumstances of his death. Now, first and foremost, now, again, this is when you start scanning data and start looking at things. The first thing is uh, this person seems to be uh, South Asian descent. The name uh, uh, deems to me, I Googled it, he is South Asian descent. Um, And immediately there's this this relationship between blackness and the South Asian community. Now, anyone that is from either of those communities, we can have a very honest conversation about our relationship isn't great. It's not necessarily bad. We're not sitting there having tensions and wars, but it's not great. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect because I saw a South Asian person opposite me that they would inherently understand my lived experience and would show up for me with the full force of their power, their insight and their knowledge uh, to protect and honour my lived experience At all um, And I don't think they would necessarily Do the same for us either Or expect the same either way on either um, If you know much about the communities If you ever just Investigate, just Google uh, South Asian woman Trying to marry black man uh, there's many conversations on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, which highlight the mere, the sheer impossible, possible nature of that actually happening, and how much family is involved. I mean, they much prefer you to date someone from another cast or uh, a white male uh, before. There's like a whole hierarchy. There's like the cast you come from. There's a higher echelon cast. There's a uh, 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 that you would be coming from, and then it goes all the way down to whiteness. Uh, and then afterwards, they you know, you know blackness is pretty much bottom of the list, and the relationship between South Asians and Indi- and Africans, uh, Pan Africans, is terrible. So usually, when there is a brown face to a black problem, it feels like a white person's attempt to empower or or, or to diffuse um, with another minority, so they can hide behind minorityism. I honestly. As much as it may sound overly sophisticated, that's exactly the things that I start to scan. The other scan that I have is the picture they have chosen to use of this man. is always interesting, the type of picture. Now, these are not my necessarily biases, but I very much understand what these visual signifiers mean. So when a black person uh, dies at the hands of the police, they always have this thing about relationship to pictures. And it's usually someone in a gang sign or you know, lots of jewelry and making faces and with lots of other black men to kind of insight that they may be unruly or problematic in some way. And I think there's something now about him in his high-vis working uniform um, that makes me feel that like there is something slightly, um, uh, uh, and a hat says, don't trust anyone. That's actually what his hat says in this image. Uh, and is in a high vis jumper uh, jacket or a hoodie on, and I feel that sometimes when they choose these pictures, it's never of us just being human, like at home with our families. Or there's always a slight presentation of who we are, and it's there to give visual clues into the type of behaviour, the unruliness of them, which is like why he ended up uh, uh, on the bridge or, or in the water. And these are my cynical. Observations that I make, but I always feel like there's a slant, and it's been proven over the years, especially they do it more in the U. they do it everywhere. They create narratives. They did it with uh, Mark Duggan, where he was uh, at his graveside, I believe, of his daughter or his mother. I can't remember now, so apologies to, to his family. Uh, but at, at the graveside with a plaque memorializing uh, someone that he loved, and they cut that part out and showed him with a mean face. And that picture is what circulated for, for months on end until we started seeing the full picture. Um, and so black people are more likely to be subjected to prolonged taser use compared to white people, according to an IRPC report published in August. And that disgust, that's absolutely disgusting. Like the fact that that has become a measurement the fact that someone's needed to investigate that, so the fact that that's actually a stat and insight that lives in the world today, is that black people are more likely to be subjected to prolonged taser use compared to white people. And sometimes in this country, every now and again, we have this momentum of like, race is not a problem, race doesn't exist. It's, it's like, well, how can that fact even be true according to the ILPC reports? How? How? So people are more fit, more willing to taser black people for longer than they are white people it's inhumane and then a post-mortem took place on the 13th of june so that's almost a week after and they now await the pathologist report to confirm mr Sh- omashori's cause of death an inquest into his death was also open and adjourned on 15th of june so they're hoping for more information this is extremely sad and challenging mainly because the original reports indicated that he was very problematic he was um being uh, uh, abusive and he had a screwdriver and everyone was scared and i'll tell you now this isn't the first time a black person has been tased unfairly so the black social worker tasered by city of london police was treated like a wild animal edwin uh edwin afiri F- 36 is suing the force after suffering a head injury and suicide thoughts following the incident. So a black social worker who was tasered and knocked unconscious during a roadside stop says police treated him like a wild animal. Uh, Edwin is suing City of London police after suffering a head injury and suicide thoughts. He was driving three black friends from a party in East London when he was pulled over by police. During discussions with officers, he was tasered and fell backwards, hitting his head on a stone window ledge. Fury spent most of his working life trying to improve trust between young people, Black Londoners, and the police. Now, this is also a thing that very much upsets me. So, a lot of Black people end up taking positions in society, which is about improving their relationships between institutions, wider society, and Black people. And it becomes a part of our purpose and our calling because such is the extent of the negative experience that we have dealing with whiteness, dealing with uh, the institutions dealing with some of the worst companies and uh, and the police is that we have to find ways to be a conduit and then even when you are a conduit, if you're in a car with other black people, you're just a black man in a car and you should be under threat. There is the real the real attempt to understand and build relationship, you know if you're actually doing the work, you should have some sort of way of identifying yourself as somebody who's doing those things. Now in the real world we should never even need that it should just be common sense you be treated like everybody else is treated when they're stopped. But really, you should be able to say, hey, I am doing this type of work. I work with the police. I work with the government. And please let me, you know, please deal with me in a particular way. It just it shouldn't even be a thing needed. Let's make that the primary statement. But if you work with the police and you improve in the relationships and you are known to them, then how on earth can you be stopped and then treated to the point that you are now being t- tased? So he believes that he was singled out because he was a black man driving a Mercedes coupe. Now, this is another stereotype. In a world in 2022, where actually many of us have grown up, many of us are in our 30s and our 40s or even late 20s, and we've actually managed to make a living for ourselves, you start buying something nice to celebrate the great things that you have done in your life, coming from literally nothing, to be able to afford a Mercedes coupe. And then that becomes the reason that you're singled out and pulled to one side and then ultimately tasered um i've always been a big supporter of trying to bring the police and the community together i tried to push for that hard over my career but who who am i to do that now i've seen for myself that no matter how much you try there's still racism in the police and that's the other side is the greater impact of this person's life so it's not just that you know he was individually stopped as a person it's now you have lost an advocate in the world of trying to create change, a healthy conversation between black people and the police, um, someone who was ultimately going to sit there and, and try to uh, uh, de-, de-, de escalate some of the challenges between black people and black, uh, black people and the police. Uh, and officers told the theory that he pulled him over because they believed he was speeding, but he denied this, pointing out the road had speed bumps and he had a coupe. So anyone that practically knows that having a, a, a coupe and a speed bumps road is highly unworkable. Now they breathalyzed him but the machine kept registering an inconclusive result as the designated driver that night a furious that he had not been drinking or of no result he was told he was going to be arrested. He was asked to put his hands behind his back and handcuffed but did not saying that he had been told to stop blowing into the device. So hold on. So they've instructed him to do a breathalyzer test. They have you become inconclusive. And so the answer is inconclusive based on their machine and their methods, by the way. And now he's being arrested off the back of that. These are the types of experience. So you have to understand, like, from his narrative, he's driving home. He's a designated driver. Uh, He's driving home. He works with the police. And he is, um, you know, going over speed bumps. And he's driving a coupe. He's driving a Mercedes. And he's on his way home as a designated driver. And he gets stopped. He gets pulled out of his car. He gets told that he's speeding. He gets put into a breathalyzer. Then afterwards, the breathalyzer is inconclusive. So the answer is to arrest him. (laughs) How is that the answer? To arrest him, by the way. Not to go back and, and do another test. Not to ask him to submit later on tomorrow in the morning. But to arrest him on an inconclusive test So even without an actual outcome You still must be arrested This is exactly why This would never happen in whiteness Ever in a trillion years Would a man in a Mercedes be stopped And and then be told it has an inconclusive test So therefore he has to be arrested It's absurd You'd make a judgement at the side of the road You would advise him what to do next And then go home And I think this is where this over-policing of blackness is a problem Because that would be the logical thing to do Because it's inconclusive And you have no signs and evidence Of any form of alcohol being present It wasn't like you were smelling of alcohol And you just couldn't prove it But you had a hunch It was literally just because You wanted to make a fuss of it You wanted to make a statement You wanted to enact your power Over these group of men going home In the Mercedes Coupe How dare you have a Mercedes Coupe I can't afford a Mercedes Coupe What do you do to afford a Mercedes Coupe Black man and so body-worn video evidence is expected to show that his arms were folded and he was speaking to his friend when a taser was discharged into his test- chest. So he wasn't actually being threatening. He wasn't actually being aggressive. He wasn't actually even direction directionally push posturing himself to the police. He had his arms folded, which is, you couldn't be any least threatening. Um, and he was talking to a friend. A civil case over the incident which took place on King William Street on the 7th of April is due to be heard in London High Court on the end of June. It will argue that officers used unlawful force that amounted to a misfeasance in a public office. City of Police deny any liability. The case comes as Priti Patel announced this week that volunteer special constables will be authorised to carry tasers if they complete training. So this is also problematic. You're empowering less qualified people to carry tasers. And when we talk about training, if anyone has ever done training for their job, um, anything on computer systems, on new processes, training is never, ever adequate because the second you get home and you have to use a piece of software by yourself, you retained nothing. (laughs) All you want to know is that this is the button to shoot. You pull it out of your, your waist and you press this button and it works. You will never, ever internalize training in the way that is needed, in the way that is designed. Training does not work in a short term for very complex answers. It takes weeks and months on processes to be able to deliver on that training. Someone that runs a training and education company, you can educate someone. But again, it's very much like you learn it to be able to get past the test and then you forget it all and you've believed that you just have it in you. And the reality is you do not. So adding more tasers to less qualified volunteer special constables is so unworkable. And who for? What are the numbers and the stats on attacks on police or the amount of times tasers have been used when there's been genuine threat? How often does this happen? And I think this is where we start getting into abuse of power. The Conservative Party have this incredible uh, fixation on... Hardcore law and order they, It's like they love it It's like they, they literally get turned on by the idea That like there's police officers with the most Oppressive weapons humanly possible Roaming around, keeping people in order Because we're not able to do it ourselves It's actually insulting to the electorate To be completely honest But they have this hard crime policy Which is not even hard crime In fact, hard policing creates more problems <laughs> It doesn't actually get less The more you empower police The worse it gets for everybody else And so to stop Several incidences We then create This relationship With every community Is that That we are here To be your overlords We're here to Shut you down And you're just like This is disgusting It's actually disgusting And so Police shouted Warning signs about a taser, but Ophiria said that this did not register in the chaos when he was surrounded by five officers. Reports from medical experts say that he briefly lost consciousness and suffered a minor traumatic brain injury. Oh, I'm suing, I'm suing. My brain is precious, I'm suing. A minor traumatic brain injury. This is what I'm saying. So black people come from trauma. We live in trauma, There's generational trauma. There's this life, life trauma, things that happen to everyone and anyone in a cycle of existence. Then a specific black trauma that happens when you're in- integrating and you are interacting with institutions. And then there is like, you know, generational trauma, which happens from year on year, that's passed down and educated into you in a traumatic way. And then you just have these other sort of, traumatic events. And then you just add like a taser incident, which causes a minor brain trauma. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. So he was handcuffed while incapacitated on the pavement and escorted by ambulance to the Royal London Hospital. His handcuffs were only removed after it was requested by medical staff. So you're unconscious, you have a minor brain brain trauma and you're handcuffed over an inconclusive breathalyzer test based on a stop and search because you have a Mercedes coupe, which you probably couldn't be driving fast because you were driving over speed humps. Police records of the incident to justify the use of potentially lethal force contradict the video evidence, according to Afire's lawyer. In written accounts of the incident, one officer claimed Afire reached for his pocket, while others said he adopted a fighting stance, becoming physically aggressive and showed aggressive resistance. So let me get this straight. He adopted a fighting stance. So man on the street, driving a coupe, working with young people to improve the relationship with the police and institutions, adopted a fighting stance what, what did he do did he did is he mayweather now and, and I think this is where the inherent fear of blackness becomes really really problem because as a black man you are a threat just by your bus standing there and if you move the wrong way if you move too fast if they don't understand you you are a threat so adopting a fighting stance is what he put his arms up with his shield? Like one hand protecting the left side and one hand protecting the other. And he was like bobbing and weaving and he was dodging. Is this what he was doing? Did he start shadow boxing next to you? Like, I I honestly can't tell you the fear that they have of us just by standing there is out of this world. Arms folded probably look like a a threat to them. They're like, oh, black people fold their arms just before they turn into savages. It's it's their mating call. That's how they do it. Yeah, his lawyer, Kevin Donahue, said body worn footage to be reviewed in court will show that none of this happened. He said that while Firi was vocally protesting, he presented no threat to officers and that there was no justification for tasting him. Donahue said, This is an error of overt abuse of power. Officers too readily considered using the most lethal force available to them too quickly. My client's strength and threat levels was prejudged. Due to his ethnicity, sadly, it is common experience of black men in London. That sentence is like literally all the things that I've been saying for the last 20 minutes, but way more succinctly. My client's strength and level of threat was prejudged due to his ethnicity. Sadly, it is common experience of black men in London. This is why this guy's a lawyer and I'm just a podcaster. A psychiatric report said that he suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and depression after the incident. Now, someone that has probably experienced both of those things at different points in my life, I don't formally know, I was not formally diagnosed, but I definitely have been in both of those zones at one point. The idea that like new trauma is being created, this is what I'm trying to say to you. We ask that our men are active, present, loving fathers, that we are, you know, members of society, that we... Upstanding and we help this and we Pay that and we you know follow The rules and the rules don't even Allow us to be us The rules don't protect us somebody that you create these events for, he's now got to go home and let's say parent. He's got to now go home and provide for his family, provide for himself. He now has to go home and go to work in the morning. He now has to go integrate in society. We want him to help the old lady cross the road. We want someone, you know, him to like, pick up someone's wallet and hand it back to We want all of these things that are based on personal ethics and morality. But the world doesn't treat you this way. And And I genuinely feel that black men have learned how to survive by pushing the boundaries and shaving the half harsh edges of society to be able to get away with things. It's like a learned environment. And anyone knows that if you surround yourself with these types of things, your behavior changes quickly. There's been points in my life where it's like, I know my rules, but when you're surrounded by constant oppression or violence or aggression, you change. Even if it's for a short period of time and if it's for long enough, you genuinely start to justify things because you're like, this is the only way to live. It's overwhelming to feel that every time you see a police, that your body goes through a, a an emotional transaction. It goes through some something, an exchange. And it happens to me now. I've had so many run-ins with the police that are just like so excessive and so fortunate to like not result in a greater, like a loss of life or or, or something. That every time I see them behind me, my body shuts down and I let i I'm scanning. I'm like, right, where can I stop over safely? Let me just scan my memory of my car. I definitely don't have something in my car. And I'm somebody that lives so far away from illegality, but still it goes through my head because I've just seen what they've done. I've seen Things be planted i've seen how people get roughed up not understanding things and you're just like your presence is like hold on what am i wearing today what's that gonna look like how should i stand you know what should i say and i i jump out of the car like a hippity pip. how may i help you sir because i just don't i just don't care about being right about the police i just want to go home i just want to go home and so ultimately, it's just like, you know, he's off work for more than three months afterwards, and has suicidal thoughts. In the aftermath, he describes severe headaches, extreme photosensitivity, and dizziness. He was charged with failure to provide a sample for analysis. But when the prosecution was ordered by magistrates to provide body-worn camera footage, it dropped the case. And this is another tactic, is to go aggressively out. And if you can get away with it, you'll get away with it. And I've met people who do this type of thing. They'll engage in some sort of like borderline illegality, some immoral nonsense. And whenever they're they're, they're held to account, they will double down in the most aggressive and violent way to see if you will back down off the base of the aggression. And if you do, then they get away with it. People be scamming out here. And so ultimately, for me, this story is a problem. And this is a part of the relationship. And I know that the Metropolitan Police are under... Uh, special measures um, but those special measures just like make their jobs like 1% harder and ultimately do nothing to support or make life easier for the people that are most impacted which are black men the story of black men in this country is so problematic so every time I meet one that's highly functioning that's got their piece together that is kind that is whatever you know if blackness doesn't get him whiteness will or the other way around if whiteness doesn't get him blackness will It's such a difficult environment. Like, it's just like we've created this condition where uh, we've made it so difficult to be successful in this country, to grow out of the scenarios that you're in, become a better person, that actually you are either suppressed or oppressed by the institutions of whiteness. And if you navigate that, the failure to become successful creates something in black men. (laughs) The failure to become something in Britain impacts black men tremendously we get nowhere close we're told that this is what it takes to be a man then we make it nigh on impossible to become that type of man and so in pursuit and the failure of becoming that man we start to take on really toxic ideas for survival for connection for success to appear successful to feel better about what it is that we're doing you know it's so easy and you can find ways to justify anything based on your surroundings, if you think it's just impossible and you're never going to make anything of yourself, you can justify selling drugs. You can justify, it's like, well, my life is rubbish anyway. So what is it? Rubbish and poor and homeless? Um, Or is it going to be rubbish and I'm going to try and sell drugs? And then you're like, well, what's the difference? My life isn't going to be worth anything anyway. And hopelessness, for me, is the worst thing that you can do to a man. Hopelessness. Like, Yes, you can empower a man and you not be ready And he can become an absolute problematic person But if you're hopeless The things that you're willing to do Are out of this world And this country does not work for black men It hasn't worked for black men And so I think ultimately we need to have a conversation Yes, we can talk about the police from 1.0 And be like, the police have got to do something And they've created something for this man But I think the problem is significantly bigger Deeper and darker
0: hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
1: when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer